Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this edition of Herbal Loot, recorded October 5th, 2017. I'm Saeed with The Leap Machine, and we have a few topics to discuss today. I want to thank you for joining the podcast and uh, listening in. It's a pretty depressing, sad week. Uh, of course, everyone's aware of the Las Vegas uh, scenario that occurred. Um, it's just a, a really depressing week. Um, then you have the the news that broke in regards to Tom Petty. Um, a lot of chaotic news was occurring that day as to whether he was he had passed away or not, and then he was on life support, and then the media was backtracking, and it was just a whole mess. But uh, very sad. Uh, to hear that as well. Um, in my opinion, he was a, um, a rock legend. And, uh, you know, so just just a lot of depressing news. Now we've got a potential hurricane at the time of this recording brewing um, outside of Florida. So it looks like a potential Category 1 hurricane could be coming into the, the bend part of the state of Florida. So I, it's just, I don't know, a lot of... Uh, a lot of sad things, but um, you know it's uh, you know something we'll have to uh, all get through together, and um, you know try to look at uh, not forget the bright side of life and uh, bright side of things as a whole, um, you know, and not try to all be too depressed. And uh, I don't know, I'm just not feeling terribly humorous this week uh, because of a lot of the. Ongoing events um, and even things that I'm just really annoyed with, with like this whole Equifax thing, which we're going to be talking about today, uh, because <laughs> it just keeps getting better. Uh, the whole Equifax ordeal is just—it's just fascinating to me, and, and what's happening with it, and uh, the changes we're going to see from it. Um, for those of you watching, you may notice I'm not on camera uh, during this recording. Again, I just uh, I don't feel like um, I want to be on camera right now with with this particular podcast. Um, it I'm trying to test out uh, going between recording on camera and uh, just doing audio recording. I think I'm just going to kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, I sometimes being on camera is a bit distracting because you're almost uh, looking at yourself and then you get a little self-conscious or you're a little more nervous uh, versus talking to a, a static physical device sitting in front of you. Um, you don't see any movement. You don't see yourself. Uh, you're just not, you know, it, you, you have a more clear conscience. So it doesn't mean I'm not going to record uh, on camera. I, I still am, but uh, I may mix it up a bit more, um, you know, and, and weeks like this, I just, you know, I'd, I'd just rather do a direct recording. But anyways, uh, we're going to be talking about um, really three primary topics today in this uh, edition. Um, one thing I want to talk about is the Google Clips device that I guess was just recently announced by Google. Uh, so we're going to dive into that a little bit. We're going to be talking about for now former uh, Equifax CEO Richard Smith and um you know, he, there's been Senate hearings and a lot of discussions going on. And the one thing I want to talk about um, in regards to him is some of the remarks that he recently made. Uh, he's essentially pinned the blame or at least has 
pointed the finger at one individual. Yes, that's right, one individual at Equifax um, is kind of taking the heat from from him, at least, from Richard Smith. And I got a problem with that, and I'll explain why in a bit. And in regards to this whole Equifax breach, the way Social Security numbers are used, that may be changing. Uh, that's heavily being looked into. We'll be talking about that topic as well. So thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast. I hope you are uh, able to stick through it uh, for the duration. Uh, I don't think I'll be too long today, so um, without further ado, we'll jump right into it. Uh, starting off with the Google Clips. I don't know if you guys have seen this device. It's a pretty interesting looking device. Um, it looks like it's just a, it, almost, it reminds me of the square that you plug into uh, your, your cell phone if you want to use like the square device where you can uh, swipe credit cards or um, you know debit cards of some sort like if you're a, if you have like a business in which you're traveling and you need to work with customers and and having a mobile payment option but this device looks very similar to that in appearance except it just doesn't go down into uh, any port or anything like that it's a standalone camera is basically what it is so I'm reading uh, TechCrunch, and I've read um, up on the device a little bit on some various sites, trying to gauge what exactly this device is and who it's aimed at. Uh, It looks like Google is really aiming this device at, I guess, families uh, or at least parents. So I I can see a market for this to an extent. And that's what I really want to talk about here. Um, But just to kind of elaborate a bit more, what this device uh, essentially is designed to do is you you have this little physical camera that's in the shape of a kind of like a square. It looks like an iOS icon, really, is the best way to put it. And the, the premise of it is you're supposed to set this device or this camera down uh, like on a table or, you know, on the floor or wherever it may be and kind of let it sit and do its thing independently from you taking pictures because we're all used to pulling out our cell phones uh, or digital cameras for those of us that still use those and we take pictures of our family members or certain events um, scenery things like that this is kind of designed to be a product to do that for you so that you don't have to focus on taking the pictures or the footage of that specific event and uh, you set this device down it does that work for you and then you go back to the footage later and you pick and choose what you want uh, whether it be a recording a re- recorded video footage or you're you know you're pulling snapshots out of it um, that's essentially what it looks like in, in a nutshell now Google appears to be really honing this product in on the mom and dads um, you know as far as their their target audience and kind of like going back to what I said earlier I see that working to an extent and here's what I mean by that I don't think this should be looked at as a replacement as for you as a parent or an individual to capture important video footage or camera footage um, 
when it comes to your your family. If you're on a vacation, for example, and you're with your entire family, and you want to capture those, what we would call, the cliche um, phrase would be like those magic moments, um, I think you have more of a personal connection with that camera shot if you're doing it yourself because you're at that given point in time you're making that determination on what the best camera shot is uh, what the best angle is you uh, create a memory uh, you know in your in your head and of that experience so it's a more in my opinion more personable thing if you're taking video or camera footage of your family like when you're on vacations or those special events maybe sporting events etc however with that being said I can see where this would be a beneficial tool if you are the type of parent that's always stuck with that duty uh, so for example if you're a mom or, or a dad and you happen to be the one taking all the pictures and you're not in those pictures which um, that tends to be um, a thing with my family is one parent or the other whether it's myself or my wife may be in the picture or the other will be in the picture but generally not all of us together because someone's got to stand there and take the pictures and usually you don't pin that kind of job or task on the kids so um, I can see it being beneficial as a tool versus a replacement model for you yourself taking the pictures I can see it being a valuable tool in that sense can also see it being valuable if you're a single parent so if you're a single mom or dad and you want to capture those special events maybe maybe you're a single dad or a single mom and you only have your kids for like half the week or maybe on a weekend and you don't really have a way to have the you know pictures or video footage just special moments captured when you're spending with your kids this could be a really useful tool for that so uh, for example if you have younger kids and you're you know playing with them on the floor and maybe you're a single parent um, or your spouse just isn't home at that given time maybe they're at work or um, you know out of town this would be the perfect device to set down on on a, like a coffee table or something and just you just let it roll and let it do its thing and then you're there and you're actively participating with your kids uh, that's really cool because you're now capturing events and those special moments that you probably and most likely would not have captured before so I think it's a pretty cool product if it's used in the right way I, I'm sure you're gonna have a lot of naysayers out there that's gonna kind of bash it and say well um, you're handing Google over your, your private data your private information um, and you're basically being lazy because you're not going to be the one taking uh, those those photos or um, video footage and I guess I can see that argument if, if it's used that way um, and the same thing goes for the data um, if the data is being um, hijacked from that device and from the cloud service level sure I, I can definitely see that argument but I don't think there should be a lot of um, naysaying at least initially until the product is actually released I do think there is that niche market and I do think it has the potential to sell and do well 
uh, going back to my point uh, with the families, and maybe Google is really targeting their audience correctly here. Um, maybe they probably should focus more on the uh, the more the, the single parents, in my opinion. So the, the single moms, the single dads, or the parents, because we're in a time where uh, usually both spouses will work full time. So maybe the dad's at home and the mom's working or vice versa. I think that's the kind of um, marketing approach that they need to take is you want this to be a tool, not a replacement, and needs to be able to enhance your ability to capture those moments and not uh, be a replacement tool if you just all of a sudden say, well, I, I just don't feel like taking pictures or video footage anymore. So um, something to keep our eyes out. It could be one of those products, kind of like Google Glasses or you know some of the, you know those other uh, oddity type products that Google has released in the past and just may not pan out, may not do well, but I guess we'll see. I, I, I do give them credit for trying, and I don't think it's intrusive, at least not yet. I guess we'll have to see how mainstream America and just people as a whole treat it and how they utilize it. Um, I don't think people thought cell phones would be used uh, to the extent that they are used now. Um, you know, we're, I mean, <laughs> a lot of people are, you know, kind of, there's a lot of debate on how cell phones are used. Now you've got a lot of people walking around with their faces right in their cell phones, taking selfies all the time, even though that was not the intended use for cell phones. That's kind of what they've uh, ultimately become and what they've, um, you know, kind of mutated into being and not that the product itself mutated, but the usage um, of the product mutated to become that way. So I guess this can kind of be perceived the same way, but we'll, we'll end up seeing. Uh, so want to go on to the next topic. This is a frustrating topic for me and something I, I just have to kind of get off my chest and discuss and bring up. Uh, so Equifax is now former CEO Richard Smith. Um, has been giving some feedback uh, in regards to the breach. And uh, there's actually a, a, a decent article on The Verge about this. If you do a, a search um, you know, for Equifax and uh, Richard Smith, you'll, you'll come across the article. It's actually headlined as uh, being former Equifax CEO blames breach on a single person who failed to deploy patch. Um, I would probably change that title slightly because I don't think it's so much that a, a particular person failed to deploy the patch uh, for the Apache struts um, um, exploit or, or vulnerability, uh, but it looks like it was more or less the, a lack of communication and failure to communicate that there was a, uh, a, a need to patch that vulnerability. So just to kind of back up here a little bit, uh, so apparently Smith was asked, and let me, I'm trying to find it here in the article, um, Smith was asked here uh, about the, the breach specifically, kind of what went wrong, and I'm trying to find the direct quote. So um, I guess uh, Representative Greg Walden uh, was kind of drilling Smith about the, the situation. Um, Smith began to blame the initial failure to patch uh, uh, of the patch on a specific individual. 
Uh, Smith did not name the individual at the company, which is smart. I don't think you should call out a specific individual, and I'm going to get to that reason why here in a bit. And this is basically what uh, Smith said. Uh, this is what The Verge quotes. The human error was that the individual who's responsible for communicating and the organization to apply the patch did not. Uh, so that's what Smith said in the hearing. So then Representative Walden asked, so does that mean that the individual knew the software was there? Um, so I think what Walden was trying to say, does that mean that the individual uh, knew that Equifax had that particular um, vulnerability that needed to be addressed and uh, did they were they aware that you know there is a patch um, that was uh, released or at least notified by US cert that needed to be put in place and um, it looks like the response that he gave back to uh, representative Walden is uh, yes that is that was his understanding so Smith said that is my understanding sir um, so here's here's my problem with these comments and this uh, mentality, I guess we'll we'll say Th this is going back to some just old school thinking that really needs to stop and it needs to stop quick in corporate America. You cannot, and based on the comments that I'm reading on every article that's discussing this, I think this is pretty much the general consensus of of practically all Americans that are reading and, and seeing these statements being made by Richard Smith, you cannot put the blame on one individual. You cannot say that what happened here, the 143 million plus, and I say plus because now there's news that there could be even more individuals impacted by this breach. You cannot say all of that happened and that is at the fault of one individual. Richard Smith has got to take full responsibility for this as a president or CEO of Equifax. When you are a leader in that role and you are that high of an executive, it is your job and duty to be just that, to lead everyone underneath you, the entire company. It is also the duty of Richard Smith to ensure that he is employing a competent CISO or ISO, whatever that title would be for that individual. We'll say CISO because that's typically what it is for a company that size. That is Richard's job to ensure that he has a competent CISO. And I know there's a lot of debate about the CISO and their background. I don't want to talk about that because I don't think that's fair without really knowing what that individual's background is. Yes, I know they had a music degree, but let's face it, there ain't a whole lot of IS degrees out there to really bring to the table. So um, we really don't know what that individual's real world experiences and, and uh, knowledge is. So I don't think it's fair to, to attack that individual or point fingers at that individual. But you can definitely see there was a communication issue um, from, from basically the top down. And, and I get the CEO should not have to be directly involved with their um, the way their IS or IT teams work, but there's a but to this. When you're a company like Equifax and you're managing probably, arguably, 
the, some of the most critical and most important data on this planet, you do have an obligation to kind of check in a little bit more than what the average CEO would in that realm of your company and that division because you are securing very critical and, and important data. So you have to be held to a higher standard. There are higher expectations for you even if you're in the position of a CEO. So if I'm in charge of guarding all the gold at Fort Knox, right? Because, you know, that's the precious assets there is the gold. And then I go out and I hire a, a security management officer, we'll say. And I say, okay, security management officer, you're in charge of guarding all the gold and employing security guards underneath you to guard all the gold you know, because that's kind of our forte is we handle gold and we deal with, with protecting this gold. I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to go do other things. Wouldn't that be negligent of me to do or say? I think it would be. And, and that may not be the best analogy here, but that's kind of how I'm looking at this situation. Um, when, when you operate or run a company like Equifax, you have to put an extreme amount of attention on information security um, and just technology as a whole. You have to, and, and the CEO should really be tech savvy. In a company like that, you wouldn't expect in Silicon Valley uh, for there to be a CEO that did not have at least a decent uh, technology background. Um, you would kind of expect companies or bureaus like this to be the same way. And they're really not, and I think that's part of our problem. But I want to go back down, uh, go back to the communication breakdown here, and actually what occurred. So this one individual is getting the blame. So for those of you that um, are not aware, US Cert, it's a free, um, it's free to sign up for. It's basically email alerts that you receive. I'm signed up for it. Anyone can go sign up for it. And US Cert will send out kind of like almost flash style notifications. Uh, things that you should be aware about as an individual at a any respective organization or you know if you just want to be aware of uh, security vulnerabilities and, and known security issues US CERT sends out these notifications and you'll open up these flash style notifications and it'll tell you in a nutshell um, like we'll use WordPress as an example it's a very popular uh, web platform and, and engine uh, you know, they could send out a flash notification to you saying, hey, uh, there's a new vulnerability discovered or, or known in WordPress. This is essentially what the vulnerability is. Uh, to rectify the, the vulnerability or the exploit, you need to upgrade your you know, WordPress version from this to this. And then they'll usually have uh, you know, one or so links on there where you can dig in a little bit further and find out more about that vulnerability or, or go directly to WordPress a site to, to understand what you need to do to make sure that your website's patched. Okay, so that's just one example of like how US CERT works. But as I mentioned earlier, anyone can sign up for this for free. It, it doesn't, there's no membership fees involved. You're not paying by the individual. There's no crazy background checks or anything that, um, you know, that you have to prove in order to become added to the list. I mean, it's, it's like a legit 
easy thing to do. So why is one individual being tasked with reading these notifications from U.S. CERT? And, you know, even take U.S. CERT out of it. Why is one individual tasked with being the person to go out and notify IS and IT teams that, hey, you need to go out and make sure that you patch this potential vulnerability? Are you, Richard Smith, telling me that one person at Equifax is supposed to know every application, every server, every operating system, every cell phone, um, you know, whether it be Android or iOS, what versions everyone's running? Like, are, are, are you saying one individual should understand, fully understand all assets uh, pertaining to information technology and uh, IS and your company, what they are? You put that on one person? And that one individual is responsible for telling everyone else. It, 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 it's not supposed to work that way. I'll take it to another um, example or another step here. I want to point out um, something else is what if that individual is, you know, in the hospital? What if they come down with a, a severe um, health issue and they're hospitalized for a month. Does that, what does that mean? You're just not going to deploy patches for a month? Like, who? <laughs> there's got to be a backup. There's got to be someone doing some. Actually, this would have been the correct way to deal with that. You have, you're supposed to have, especially in a corporation like Equifax, you're supposed to have change control processes in place. There should be someone in that organization, at least one other individual, minimum. I would even, like, way more than that. There should be internal audits going on. Someone inside the organization, a team, should be tasked with the, um, with, with the capability of performing internal audits on your IT and IS teams to ensure that they're not missing it. It's not so much to challenge them if they're doing their job, because now we're doing that, right? Now we're challenging that individual if they did their job or not. But it's to prevent these situations from occurring. If you were performing internal in-house audits where the team was evaluating and checking in on each other, most likely, I'm going to say this wouldn't have happened. If you had that specific individual uh, being looked at by another team member to say, hey, let me sign off that you checked in on these, or at least a several, you know, like a, almost like a uh, like a, a workflow process, you know. I mean, in, in all honesty, no, you shouldn't have one person getting the emails and one person distributing that that information out to the. I think they had over two hundred employees between IT and IS. I'm I'm not sure if that's accurate because I haven't seen a whole lot of reporting on that. But that's kind of what I'm understanding. You shouldn't have one individual out of, let's say hypothetically, out of 200 employees that's tasked with that responsibility. And I don't care if it's the CIO's um, fault for making that decision or whoever it was. Maybe there was a manager underneath the CIO that made that decision. At the end of the day, the CEO needs to make sure that there are processes and controls in place to prevent this sort of thing from happening when you are operating a company like Equifax that is housing the data that it is. Could you imagine um, the NSA 
or the CIA or the FBI operating that way. They had one person that was just, they just had no clue how the internal workings of the company worked and what they were protecting. Um, or some of these, you know, we'll use Silicon Valley as another example. You know, can you imagine these, these big, you know, companies in Silicon Valley, tech companies, and they had these leaders in place and they had no clue how the inner workings of their company work with, pertaining to technology and security. Security should have been one, if not the top priority of Aquifax as a company. You know, that, that, that's key. So I just had to bring that up and, and talk about it. Had they had, had they had better workflow processes in place, and I'm talking policies, procedures, change controls. Um, hey, did, let's say the individuals uh, there was John Smith. Hey, John Smith. Um, I, I'm here to just do an audit on you to make sure that you've been doing your, your patching or your, your patch notifications. Um, you and your team of, of colleagues are sending out these notifications. I mean, you have to have some kind of check, check balance, you know, checks and balances in place there. I, I don't know what they're expecting. So for Richard Smith to put the blame on one individual, I think... Um, you know, and, and that, I'm not sure that he was actually outright saying the entire blame is on that one individual, but he's essentially saying that's where the problem occurred. But to me, um, Richard Smith, you've got to take that responsibility and you have to acknowledge that you, as a CEO of a company like Equifax, failed in more ways than one. Um, if anything, you were not actively involved or engaged enough to realize that there was one individual tasked with, with a very high-level duty or, or task like this. I mean, again, I use that Fort Knox analogy. That'd be like me just putting someone in charge of guarding all the gold at Fort Knox, and I just, I just walk away from it, and I go uh, to business meetings, and I leave it at that. And then something happens, all the gold stolen, and I blame that one individual. They failed. They didn't do their job properly. Nope. You as a CEO did not do your job properly. So you, ha you have a right, and you should be called out for that. And you're not going to, in my opinion, be able to sit here and blame other individuals. You are at the top level of that company. It is up to you to create those philosophies and those controls and uh, have that ex, you know, the expectance there for your, uh, for all the other employees that uh, work underneath you, executives all the way down. So, anyways, I just had a gripe about that because it's that's it just really, really annoys me um, that whole situation and story. So, kind of moving on to the next topic, which thanks to Equifax, uh, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say. The, the Equifax situation is what's causing this discussion to occur. I do think at some point in time it would have come up. I think it was just, it's, it's been a long time coming, uh, you know, and I think it's now kind of coming to a head here. And that's the way Social Security numbers are used and the way the Social Security number system works. So the White House cybersecurity um, team is now looking at the way 
uh, SSNs are, are used in our day-to-day -day lives. So this Equifax breach is a perfect example of why, you know, that's kind of a, a problem now. You know, maybe in the, you know, 30 years ago that wouldn't have been an issue, but now that we're dealing with the amounts of technology and communications that we do, having this one set of numbers that basically ties you to everything um, and there's no way to really have any kind of security challenges revolved around that. I mean, the bureaus were supposed to be doing that job, but that's, you know, <laughs> we see how that went. So they're now looking um, at some different ways of possibly moving away from that whole concept of how that system works. Uh, and I'm not surprised that, you know, it, it after that the whole story broke with Equifax the first thing that hit me was oh, we got changes coming there's some big changes coming and um, here's a quote from um, trying to see uh, Rob Joyce uh, with the White House um, security uh, cybersecurity um, summit he this is what was said at the uh, cybersecurity summit I believe the social security number has outlived its usefulness so Joyce said um, that at Washington's, the Washington Post Cybersecurity Summit. And he also said that uh, every time we use a social security number, you put it at risk. And he's right. And I know it's a scary topic, and I know it's something we probably don't want to really think about. Um, because when you start talking about your, your private information, you're, we're, we're almost hard-coded to believe because, you know, We've been like this since we were kids. You're hard-coded to believe that the social security number that is assigned to you is, it's a very personable thing. It's a very private thing. Um, it's something that is, it, that's directly says who you are to at least the, the credit bureaus, the credit system, uh, the United States government. Um, it, it's used for a number of very important critical things in, in your you know your life and because of that you naturally get defensive of the social security number but I think we can all realistically say that as defensive as we are of our social security numbers being the numbers not so much the uh, methodologies and how the numbers use I think we can say okay yeah we, we we're all very sensitive about the topic because we're you know, we grow up knowing that the Social Security number is very vital to us and, and we have to protect it with all of the power that we have. But that system is really not working in the, in the age that we now live in. You know, and, and the way technology is rapidly, grow, you know, expanding and growing and changing, it, 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 something's got to change. And I think this whole Equifax breach it, it just proves that point um, so what they're looking at doing there's not a whole lot of information here is they're looking at ways to use um, cryptographic identifiers so modernized cryptographic identifiers to work in the um, identification process um, when it comes to your social security number so I don't think that necessarily means that you're going to lose your social security number or that it's going to be replaced with something else I could be wrong about that. I mean, this is still in very early discussion, um, you know. But you know, even uh, there, there's a quote here 
Uh, I'm trying to see who actually stated that. Um, even Richard Smith. Okay, so this is a quote from uh, now former CEO uh, Richard Smith. Even he acknowledged that his Social Security number has been compromised at least four times in his lifetime. And, uh, you know, I can, I can see that. I mean, especially someone in his position, he's got a pretty um, high-paying or had, and he's walking away with up to $90 million now. But um, someone with that kind of money and that kind of background is going to be a high target. You know, so that that's another point to make is you have certain individuals that are higher targets or, um, than others. You know, so the social security name or the social security number is the the way it's used is going to somehow have to change. I guess we'll wait and see how um, how that goes. But um, yeah, just thought it was worth pointing out to you guys listening. The change is coming. It is coming, ladies and gentlemen. So. Um, I I would say don't get scared, don't get worried, don't get defensive um, until you see at least what's going to happen, what's what it means. It doesn't mean you're going to get microchipped. It doesn't mean you're going to have a barcode placed on your forehead or anything crazy like that. Um, I think what they're saying in a nutshell is that they're going to have to create some form of encryption validation to correlate with your social security number the way it's used and they're probably going to and and this is coming from me i'm I'm not reading this anywhere they're probably going to have to come up with some form of two-step authentication routine as well and uh let's think of like the way your bank accounts work um or services like paypal and even hell like even gmail and and you know email service providers practically every um, Facebook has this option now. You can go in there, and it's not necessarily that it's mandatory for all these systems, but you have the ability to turn on two-step authentication. So not only do you need your password, but you need to validate a secondary code that is sent to a device like your cell phone, or it could be an RSA-style um, type token or key, um, virtual or physical format, that were, something that would display a code that you would put in as kind of a backup in case your your password is compromised. I see them maybe standing something up like that um, because in the event that your social security number is hijacked and someone tries to use your social security number against you, you would get some kind of notification that would go to a device that only you possess um, in which you would have a heads up and say, oh, that's not me. Um, and then the, I'll give you an example. Let's say you're going to buy a new car. And when you go buy that new car, you, you need to get financing for that car, that vehicle. And the dealership wants to run your credit and get, figure out what the, you know, what your options are for financing all the different financial institutions that's willing to provide you a loan. Well, what I envision happening is, they would have to have an encrypted methodology or an encrypted tunnel to actually run that social security number in to be validated for a credit check. And then when that happens, you're going to get a notification, let's say hypothetically on your cell phone, that's going to pop up. You're going to have to either present that code to the individual that's trying to legitimately run your credit or help you um, identify what your credit options are, 
or you're going to have to authorize the the credit check um, from your cell phone device. So maybe it'll have a pop-up that says, hey, are you authorizing this? This is what's happening. And then you would hit yes or no. And that could be in the form of biometrics checking, uh, whether it's your thumbprint or like with the iPhone 10, maybe you're going to scan your face to make sure it's really you that's authorizing um, the the credit check to occur. could also be used for ID verification. Maybe you go apply for a new job and the the employer wants to run your background check and they need to do an um, part of your background check these days at a lot of places they'll do they'll check your credit um, they'll also do some ID verification which could potentially go up against the credit bureaus and maybe you would get a notification that hey this employer would like to check out your your background and look at your credit history or your or validate you are who you say you are when you're here applying for the job and you may have to authorize them to do that and then that would all be done through an encrypted um, an encrypted tunnel, an encrypted uh, connection uh, where there's some cool things going on there to validate that encryption key between your device or your, you know, I guess we'll have to see what they come up with, but then there would also be a two-step uh, process involved there as well. Honestly, if we're going to, if, if we are going to keep this social security number system for the most part the way it is, you almost have to introduce technology like that I don't really see a way around it um, you know it, social security numbers are kind of like passwords now they can easily be hijacked and the only way to really secure yourself in that sense is uh, using two-step authentication or using and or using authorized devices to um, initiate or, or authorize um, those transactions or those checks to occur so we'll see where it goes, but I thought it was worth discussing and bringing up. Um, it's an interesting topic and something we should all kind of uh, be looking out for as far as information um, goes. You know, the, the story is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger um, with everything, with the whole Equifax breach and what's going to the changes that's going to come and all that good stuff. So. Anyways, I want to go ahead and uh, thank you guys for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. I'm sorry I'm not in a bit more of a humorous mood. Um, maybe the next podcast I will be. Um, it's just been a long, uh, depressing week. And I hope you guys understand, and I'm sure you do, and I'm sure a lot of people, not everyone's feeling the same way. So, um, But I thought this was all relevant information uh, to discuss in, in, the, you know, in this uh, edition of verbal loot with the leap machine so thank you guys very much don't forget please to go out to twitter or twitch.tv youtube uh, facebook and just do a search for the leap machine you can find uh, the leap machine on all those platforms uh, i really highly recommend going to the uh, facebook page because there's some cool things there like memes and stuff like uh, that i post and some cool discussions and topics will be going on there in the future um, YouTube's going to be a good place to go for uh, unique clips that I'll probably post at YouTube that may not be you know, in other places. Twitch TV is going to be good for live streaming uh, purposes, so I'm planning on doing some cool things, especially things that may pertain to gaming on the Twitch.tv side. Uh, so if you, if you like watching live streams or um, things pertaining to gaming, and that includes podcasts, I'm not saying... It's just going to be gaming only, but, uh, you know, talk show stuff as well. Be sure to sign up on all those sites. 
and uh, I think you, you'll find it useful um, down the road as the Leap Machine continues to expand and grow. But uh, thank you all again for taking the time to listen to the podcast. I will uh, get another one updated or uploaded here soon, and uh, I will try to be in a more positive, uh, humorous mode. Thanks all. I'll talk to you again soon.